Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Read with your money, only on Money FM 89.3. And today I've got a great book and a fantastic author to introduce to you. Now, if someone said to you, you run like a girl, would you take that as an insult or a compliment? What if someone said, dare to lead like a girl? Would you dare to lead like a girl? My featured author wants to reclaim that phrase in her new book, Dare to Lead Like a Girl. Dahlia Feldheim brings a fresh look at leadership. She questions the status quo of what is expected of leaders and not just at the workplace, by the way. So what would the world of work look like if we all, men and women, did indeed take up that dare to lead like a girl? Welcome, Dahlia Feldheim. How are you? Thank you so much, Michelle. It's lovely to be here back in Singapore. Welcome back. I love your TED Talk, Dahlia. You were once a CMO, and in your talk, you discuss a particular figure at work. He was your boss, and he really tried to shame you for showing up at work the way you were showing up as yourself. How did that experience really shape your determination to, quote-unquote, lead like a girl? So, yeah, thank you for, you know, my experience, a tale of two cities. I started off uh, with, a, you know, six months into the role, I was tearing up in the office. And my boss at the time, uh, Jim Lafferty, a friend and mentor until today, told me, Dahlia, don't ever be embarrassed for crying in the office again. It's a sign of your passion and passion is your superpower. So that's how I grew up, you know, being myself. Passion is not, you know, emotions are not a weakness. They're a sign of passion. And then the recent experience, I mean, 20, 17 years later, I moved to another company and I had a boss that was kind of totally different than me. So everything, you know, I was all about people and creativity and he was all about numbers and scorecards. And one meeting I was summoned, one day I was summoned into his office and literally he started giving me feedback. Now, you know, Michelle, we love feedback, right? We called it tough love. I love feedback that is direct and honest and no sugar coating, but there was no love. That day. It was just really denigrating and humiliating. And I was holding it in because I was a C-suite woman, the only one in the team. And then he started berating my team. And that's, you know, when I went, uh, became a lioness and a tear appeared in my eyes. And at that moment, he smiled and he offered me a box of tissues and I you know, had this warm, fuzzy feeling remembering my first boss. But then I noticed something weird about his smile when he turned around the tissue box and I realized on the other side, he put a handmade sticker that said Dahlia's tissue box, meaning he was prepared and ready. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is an HR assault. And that's when he said, oh, don't be so emotional. It's just boy banter. I know you have a sense of humor. So how did that affect me? You know, I was stunned completely. It took me, you know, it was three years that I stayed in that assignment. I was determined, you know, not to quit. You know, why should I quit? I love the job. I love what I was doing. He should quit, right? And that uh, period, you know, taught me a lot. And I guess that's what drove me, you know, to give the TED Talk, uh, to write the book. Today, I'm an organizational psychologist working with uh, teams uh, on leadership development to make sure that that doesn't happen again because uh, we do know that psychological safety is the ability to be yourself at work. And that is the number one driver of high performing teams. So if you're a leader, you know, you want your people bringing their full self to work and emotions are a sign of passion and not a weakness. So next time someone in your office sheds a tear, the only valid response is, wow, I see you're really passionate about this. How can I help? 
not shaming them. Amazing. What an amazing anecdote. I was shocked when I heard it. People don't think these things happen to women in the C-suite. Um, what is? I know your book is about a lot more than bullying at the workplace, but what do you say to others dealing with a toxic boss? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I was head of the Women's Network for P&G, and, you know, in Moscow and Singapore, I myself was involved with dealing with toxic boss successfully. And yet when it happened to me, I was almost like a frog in boiling water. Uh, you know, I kept on thinking I can coach myself out of it. You know, reality is you can't coach yourself out of a toxic environment. Yes, you can bring build your resilience from within. And that's what my book is all about. But when it comes and I do recommend first working on building your resilience, okay? Because conflict is good. We should not be afraid of conflict. You know, I worked in Asia 10 years and we all think, oh, conflict, I will leave. No, conflict is an opportunity for connection when you deal with it with curiosity and communication. Why? Because, you know, if someone gets, you know, triggered by something, it means it's important for them. So yes, try and understand that. Try to find a win-win. We'll talk a, a little bit about the strategies for building resilience. But when it's really a toxic uh, environment, I realize there's only one strategy that works, and that is zero tolerance. Zero. Okay? That means, you know, I try to use humor. I try to use kind of, you know, a coaching approach. doesn't work. Okay? You can't coach someone that doesn't want to change. And zero tolerance looks like, sorry, sir, but you're not going to speak to me like that, or I'm going to leave the room and come back when you're willing to speak with me to me with respect and um, you know if this continues i will need to put a, a helpline complaint because this is not our values in the company you know think about it women tell me oh but that's disrespectful i mean the reality is you need zero tolerance for the other side to wake up and realize you know these are your boundaries and they shall not be crossed so that would be my advice same for companies you need to take approach this situation with zero tolerance Clearly, people understood in my company what was going on, but many times bullies will perform short-term. Fear works short-term, okay? It does not work long-time. In reality, we lost half the team. That cost money. It actually costs 10 times more hiring, you know, a toxic boss. So do invest as a HR in listening, but listening to what's not being said as clear as what being said, especially in an Asia culture, right? We we don't want to share. I had a case where a woman told me, yes, you should fight for it, but don't put me, you know, I don't want to be written as anywhere as, as having said that. So fear is a very, very strong, you know, uh, motivator and fear doesn't work well in the business context. It kills your business longer term. So as HR, as a senior leader, you do need to listen in to understand, I mean, the reports, usually the hints will be there. The writing will be on the wall. And it's your role to investigate and understand. And if you do find a toxic boss, a toxic colleague, you know, really zero tolerance. Six months, three months trial. And if they don't align with the company values, they should leave. Because the impact a toxic boss has on the whole environment is long term. It's even, there's a, a phenomenon called phantom experience even when the person leaves you know because people mirror a leader right on the good side they mirror a positive leader but they also mirror a negative leader and these behaviors become acceptable in our organization so they continue even when that person leaves so really if you're listening in 
zero tolerance. It kills creativity, it kills teamwork, and longer term, it will kill your business. It destroys souls as well. Why, in your title, do you reclaim the phrase, like a girl? You led a very prominent ad campaign once, run like a girl. Why do you think leading like a girl needs to happen now? And why reclaim that phrase? So in 2014, I was lucky to be part of the leadership team that created Always Run Like a Girl. It became the most viral ad of the year. Forbes recently ranked it as top 10 campaign of the of the decade. And in that campaign, we really kind of reclaimed Run Like a Girl to mean simply be proud to be who you are. Now, I want to reclaim that phrase now in the world of leadership. And it's really not about men versus women. Okay, I, I will tell you that I often hear, you know, a... Uh, we don't have enough women in the workplace and yeah, women are not effective enough as leaders. So first of all, I want to put research front and center. In 2019, Harvard Business Review did research to understand why we don't have enough women leaders. Are they not as effective? And they found that not only are women as effective as men, they actually score higher in 17 out of 19 leadership traits. Now, the reality is there's no such thing as a female brain or a masculine brain. So it's not about women versus men per se. It's more about all leaders, women as well as men, connecting to those historically, you know, labeled feminine traits and daring to lead like a girl, which basically means lead from the heart with intuition, with teamwork, with, you know, Basically, you know, empathy at the workplace is a critical dimension. The old models of command and control are just not effective in the business world, especially working remotely, right? If you're trying to control someone remotely, you will not get the, the results that you desire. So dare to lead like a girl. I use a 5P model coming from marketing. It's easy to remember. <laughs> it's basically five key elements. Mm -hmm. The first one is purpose. And I can tell you, this is so important. Purpose is really being aligned to what are you good at? What are you passionate about? And how can you bring that to work every day? People that work from their strengths are two times more likely to succeed. So that is the first one. Mm -hmm. The second one is perspective. Perspective is all around, you know, learn to fail or fail to learn, says my mentor, Tal Ben Shahal. It's all about how we deal with failure, how as leaders we enable failure. We don't scold for failure. We enable fail forward, okay? It's good to fail. What have you learned from it? You know, that's the whole approach there. The third is really power up, which is all around, you know, today is not about managing time. It's about managing our energy. Mm -hmm. What do you as a leader do to help your people manage their energy? You know, sleeping, eating, sports, etc. Really critical. The fourth and the most important is people. So, you know, I'll tell you, if you remember just one thing from today, you know, the number one driver of happiness is the quality of your relationship. The quality of your life is the quality of your relation. Same in the workplace. They did research to understand the number one driver of happiness in the workplace. And the question is, do you have a best friend at work? Interesting, right? Yeah. So how do you as a leader foster these relationships? How do you as a leader get to know your people as human beings? How do you know? These are all the team events. These are really important, but it doesn't come alone. You can't. You know, put a lipstick on a pig, as they say. You can't just do that. You need to do all the other dimensions as well. And then mm -hmm. finally, the fifth one is mm -hmm. all about positivity. And, you know, and, and I you say it's not about just Shahar. being happy all the time, you say, right? That's exactly. not positivity. It's so, bravery, you say. I love that. Bravery. Yeah. Emotional bravery. So mm -hmm. emotional bravery is really about 
not being happy, happy all the time, but giving ourselves the permission to be human. It's okay not to be okay. Who doesn't have negative emotions? Only psychopaths or dead people. So if you're sad, you know, that's normal, right? (laughs) You're alive. So as a leader, what do you do to enable your people and talk about emotions? I can tell you, just as an anecdote, when I was Mm -hmm. teaching here in SMU, Singapore Management University, the science of happiness, Mm -hmm. you know, I had one of my students stand up and tell the class after I talked about emotions and the importance of don't suppress, express, because otherwise it will come out in disease. And the guy stood up, he was 23, and he said, you know, prof, I just wanted to share. And basically his mom had cancer. He didn't know how to deal with it, but following our, our workshop on emotions, he decided to basically come and just gave her a hug and the two of them cried. And he said it the first time he saw his mom cry since he was eight, first time she hugged him. I mean, that, you know, created such a burst of emotions with all the classmates. So, you know, we in Asia sometimes are taught that emotions are bad. It's a sign that you're ill-bred. Reality is that research shows suppressing emotions will lead to, you know, passive aggressiveness or worse disease. Mm. So it's about expressing your emotions, but doing it, you know, in a, in a, in the right way. And I share in my book, the right way of how to center your emotions and then, you know, act versus react on them. That's interesting. Now you talk in chapter 12 about the need to master politics at work and a lot of women, even men, might shy away from from politics, the idea that you have to step on dead bodies in order to advance yourself, you know, in life. What do you mean by needing to master politics at work? Yeah, so you know, I'm the first one to say I hated politics, the word. I always said, I don't do politics, my results will speak for themselves. So in the book, I talk about a concept called, you know, politically savvy. Being politically savvy means you don't need to lose your values. Being politically savvy is about understanding that politics could be about how do you achieve results using a coalition. So it's being smart and strategic about how you achieve results. It's about, you know, I used to go into a meeting and share my record and think that that's it, but not knowing that decision was made, you know, two days before by you know, on the golf course or whatever. So it's really about creating a coalition. You know, as a C-suite woman, I was super alone. I mean, I had some great peers that are friends until today, but I didn't do my job in creating as good a networks as I should have. I didn't do my job in aligning on the decision, even before the meeting has started, getting the feedback, you know, making sure that all the voices on the team were, were heard. So it's really about being, you know, there's a whole great book about being an owl, Okay, being both smart about reading the room, but also about being high value. So not being a fox, which is low value. Okay, being an owl, being smart about it, reading the room, understanding, you know, before you go in, what could be the issues and then operating from a state of value, making sure you're pushing for what's right for the company. Okay, and when you're high on your passion, but you're very clearly communicating how this is driving value for the company, this is about this is being politically savvy. Is it a reality to be able to expect women to be able to be emotional at work, bring their full selves at work? I'm thinking of the Finnish prime minister and all this uh, discussion about, oh, you know, I I think she's a great dancer and what she does in her spare time is what she does in her spare time. But, you know, people are very quick to attack women and what they perceive as not fitting in the... um, 
model of decorum expected at the workplace. So can in this environment where there's still so much um, injustice and misogyny directed at women at all levels, can you really expect a woman to dare to lead like a girl at work? So I want all women and men, okay, to realize that the world is changing. Okay, Rashi Sota Nilima Batok in the book Shakti Leadership about, you know, there's a positive feminine, which is around empathy, intuition, teamwork. We see those to be critical skills of the 21st century. There's a positive masculine, which is logic and direction. A, a good leader needs to be rotating between the two. The issue is the business world has collapsed into something they call the wounded masculine, power over people versus power with people. My book is a rallying cry for all leaders to wake up and realize that this is not productive. 85% of employees feel unhappy in the workplace. They feel that they're not treated as human beings. That affects you know, performance. One in four experience acute anxiety. We do not work well when we're in a state of anxiety. So this wounded masculine is bad for business. My cry is for all leaders, men as well as me- women, to connect to these five Ps. And yes, that's why it's dear. Now, the interesting, I called it dear, okay, because courage is one of the most misunderstood concepts. People think that it's about making decisions that others don't. But courage actually comes from the French word cœur, which means heart. The really courageous leaders lead from the heart. So step up and being happy, being positive, being good, being empathetic is good for business. Of course, it's good for personal well-being, which we know is critical today. And I'll just finish with a little anecdote. When my TED Talk came out, I got thousands of calls from women who decided to step up, from men that were told that they lead like women and decided to be proud of it. But the craziest call I got from a guy in Australia Hmm. who told me, Dalia, I saw your TED Talk and I want to change. What do I do? And I will send it for free because it's about raising our awareness. And he said, I decided to try a different strategy. And I was shocked how much more effective it is because love is so much more effective than fear. So try it out. Dalia, does daring to lead like a girl also extend to the home? Are you talking about leadership in all aspects? Of course. So I'm a mom. I have three kids. I have a crazy entrepreneurial husband. Um, you know, I actually did the find, the find Your Purpose with each of my kids. And being a working parent, and it's not just, yes, a working mom is even harder. Sadly, a lot of the housework is still on, uh, on women. But I give a lot of tips of kind of parenting, of managing dual career. You know, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have my husband's support. Cheryl Sandberg once said that my best business decision is who I marry. We've always been equal uh, when we talk to our career. You know, we've never had a lead career. So how do you manage yourself with a partner? Um, and, you know, it is proof, it, it shows, you know, when both of us are kind of uh, earning and, and supporting the household is so much better. So how do you manage the dual career? How, ma- how do you manage the parenting? I give tips. You know, I have my 10 tips for managing as a working woman. I say maybe one of them that comes to mind now is, you know, be there for the moment that counts and make the moments that you're there count. So, Meaning we can't always be there. 
Okay, but make sure you're there. My son, actually, this is a funny anecdote. Mm. He was a tree in a show. He wanted me to come desperately. I was that day giving a speech to the CEO. I went all the way up. I asked to be first on the agenda, so I get there to his school. They moved me first on the agenda. The guy was late. I ended up arriving to school with my high heels and Frazier all sweating to see my little tree. <laughs> you know, come off stage. And I was in tears. I was so apologetic. I missed it. And I was crying the whole way home. And then this little boy, he was eight year old. He says, mom, you're not always perfect, but I see you really try. (laughs) And that was the million dollar lesson. Look, I get in emotional, but on, you know, um, really accepting that you can't be perfect all the time. And it's uh, the the intention that matters most. So how can you make sure that you're there for those critical moments? Do whatever it takes. It's okay to come and say, sorry, I need to pick up my child. I need to join, you know, et cetera. This mm. should be the standard. It makes you a better parent, a happy, happy parent, happy life, right? And also make the moments that you're there critical, meaning Today, with this mobile phone, we come in, I see moms rushing to pick up their child early, but then they're sta- standing in the, you know, in the park on the phone the whole time. Kids recognize that. Be mindful about when you're there. It's only two, three hours in the day. Close that phone. Close that computer. Be 100% present with your kids. Yes, you can go back to work when they're fast asleep. So those are some of my, my top 10 you know, tips for leading like a girl also in the home. And people ask me, can women have it all? And my answer is yes, just not all at once. There's an interesting dare in your book. Um, Will you send books out to toxic bosses if people ask you to? (laughs) Yes. So I have 100 books a year (laughs) that I allocated. Just reach out to me on my website or on LinkedIn. And, you know, I will make sure that gets because a lot of the time it's raising awareness. A toxic box doesn't always realize the impact. And once, you know, you make them aware, uh, it will be sent, of course, anonymously um, from me. Mm. Uh, so, yes, that's my little, little Your try. gift to the world. The gift, the gift to the world it, for people it. to step up, for leaders to step up. If you see toxic, you know, environment. Step up, just say sorry, but this is not the culture that we want in our company. Yeah. So encouraging or, us all. Or buy copies of Dahlia's book and give it out at the workplace. <laughs> Dahlia, it's so great speaking with you. You're here in Singapore for a, a book event. People can uh, connect with you how? Best is via LinkedIn. So Dahlia Feldheim would love to be in touch with all of you. I have two open events, one tonight at the 1880 Club and one, uh, one tomorrow. So you can see all the detail of how to register uh, on my LinkedIn. And yeah, I hope to to be back. This has been home for 10 years. Love this little red dot. Love all the people here. I think we have, you know, work to do. Mm. But that's great. I think that's exactly coming together and stepping up to there and realize that the real courage is leading from the heart. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here with us on Singapore Airways on Money FM 89.3. She's Dahlia Feldheim. Her book is Dare to Lead Like a Girl. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.